This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Magpies Unrestricted. Hello ladies and gents, welcome to Magpies Unrestricted, where we'll be talking all things Newcastle United. I'm your host, Chris Simpson, joining me today is Carol Thistleway. Hello. And unfortunately we are joining you after what can be described as an absolute 5-0 spanking at the hands of Man City, uh, coming, crashing back down to earth again after, uh, well obviously we lost last week, but this was, uh, this is what last week could have been. <laughs> yeah, it, it seemed like Man City weren't even trying, to be honest. It was easy for them, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Newcastle just couldn't even string a pass together. There was just a just a catalogue of basic mistakes. I think at times it, it was it was it was difficult to watch, to be honest. It, and it wasn't an entertaining game. We have seen games where it's been five nil, but the teams have played well. You know, there's been an attacking presence, and really, it was just it was just a cruise. Yeah, I mean, well, speaking of passing, just to jump uh, briefly ahead to the start of the second half, a uh, stat that flashed up on Sky. <laughs> uh, this was 10 minutes into the second half, and we had made zero successful passes, uh, which equated to we'd had 1% possession. Yeah. <laughs> even even away at Man City, that's, that's pretty I think, bad. I feel yeah. that was, was doing you justice. Um, <laughs> the possession that you did have was just... I don't know, you just managed to have a player in front of the ball, really, more than anything. That's that's what it equated to. It was like watching an actual team against a Subutio team at times. Not Subutio, what's it called? Foosball. Mm-hmm. Foosball type. It's really times. static. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, well, I say it could have been so much different. It, it probably wouldn't have been. But Chris Wood, actually, you know, he, he could and should have given us the lead, actually, after eight minutes. Had a great chance and, uh, again, just, just showing his complete lack of confidence. Just heads it straight to Edison, which is uh, it's a shame because, obviously, that's the exact kind of chance. And we've spoken about this before. Yeah. He's had similar ones in previous matches. It's the exact kind of chance that he was brought in to, to bury, really. You know, you plant one on his head. You expect him to do better. Um, and then, yeah, 19 minutes in, Raheem Sterling... Uh, who I think has had he's been one of the scored like the most headed goals in the league or something this season, which is crazy because you know when you compare him to someone like Chris Wood, who you'd expect to be at the top end of that headed goal scoring charts, uh, he's kind of bonkers. But um, yeah, just uh, Yao Cancelo got away from ASM, great ball in from Gundogan, and he heads it back to Sterling, who who heads in. Um, I mean, there's been a lot of criticism. For Sam Maximan over this, I mean, Newcastle fans in general, I think, have uh, been pretty critical of him lately. And with some merit, I don't think he's been playing very well at all. He's definitely hit a rut. I think in this case, I'm loath to give him too much criticism. Don't get me wrong, he's definitely a player you want to see do more defensive work. You know, at the end of the day, he's not producing enough at the other end to justify being 
a complete luxury player. You know, he's not like a Lionel Messi type who you can kind of forgive them it to an extent. Although I, I always love a player who works really hard at both ends of the pitch and he's still, you know, absolutely top tier with the goals and assists. But you can at least accept it to an extent if they're getting tons and tons of uh, productivity at the other end and Sam Maxman isn't. But what I will say in this case, for me personally, yeah, he lets Cancelo get away from him. But for me, I didn't read that as sort of laziness. I thought it was more just he doesn't have that defensive now so that you would expect from, say, a left-back Yeah, but to, he's, to track the run, you know what I mean? I get that, yeah, but he did have the responsibility for that player and he did let him get miles away from him. I, I agree 100% with what you say, though. I think, you know, that that's not his natural position, but you do when you're in situations like that against teams like Man City, you do need every player to to follow the person they've got un- under their control. And, and to be honest, I, I think the Newcastle fans having a go at him is just pure frustration over the last couple of matches and him not being brilliant. He set the bar so high throughout the first two thirds of the season. And then this, this last season, he has been dropping off a little bit. Um, and we've said it before, I think it's purely because he's not used to actually having other players around him wanting the ball and playing with the ball that he has now. So I think it's just a bit of frustration from the fans in, in, in general over potential negative things about Sam Maxwell's performance that have just accumulated here into this this big um, criticism of him. But Yeah, well, actually, that, just to, um, we'll obviously uh, get back to the rest of the game in a moment, uh, well, as we are to actually <laughs> talk about it too much. But that does actually lead us into actually our first news story of the week, which was that bit of controversy ahead of the game with some comments made by Sam Maximan. He did an interview with, with So Foot, who I think were a French outlet. Um, and there was a quote from him floating around on Twitter that was, people were getting a, a bit up in arms about this, sort of perceiving it as a bit of a dig, as it, uh, bit of a dig at his teammates. Um, he said, those who have played alongside me know that when it comes to quality, I've no need to be jealous of Savio Mane. The day I get a teammate who is able to convert the chances I create, I will have 10 to 15 successful assists every season. Uh, so Maximan, af- after that, sort of, yeah, got out onto Twitter and people were being a bit critical of him. He did a, he came out and denied that he was criticising his teammates. He said he didn't say anything negative. Um, he basically just said that, as any Newcastle fan would, uh, I was looking forward to having an even better team so that we could progress collectively and that, as a result, I could also progress individually. Um and then Eddie Howe actually revealed that Sam Maxman, he actually went to Eddie Howe, visited him in his office because he was concerned about this interview getting out and that, at least according to him, that his comments might be, um, you know, taken the wrong way, etc. by his teammates. Um, Howe seemed pretty happy with ASM's explanation of them. He's not, you know, giving him a fine or anything like that. But, the, you know, there the was, well, in his own words, in no way did he mean to damage the unity we've built. We'll be speaking to the squad to make sure there's no fallout. So, um, yeah. I mean, he's not wrong, though. Yeah, I think he, I think he was possibly all, a little bit of a storm in a teacup. Obviously, you shouldn't be digging out your teammates in public. I mean, well, he says that that's not actually what he was trying to do. So, you know, in, in his words, it was sort of taken out of context. But in a way, at the same time, yeah. yeah. If we had more clinical players, I mean, Sir Maximan, he's created something like 
well, I think I, I think before the Man City game, I think he had officially created forty six chances this season. Um, I mean, I don't know how many he made in the Man City game. I don't think it was too many, but it might have been. No, a, it might have been another. Two, there might have been. There might have been a couple in there. I mean, but, obviously, that one, one percent possession. I don't, I don't think what happened. <laughs> oh, well, that was just for that ten minute period. But I mean, it, no, it, it, it never. It never got that much better. But <laughs> to an extent, he ha- he has a point. Like we said, if we had more clinical players around him, and, and almost. I mean, how many times have we seen? You know, especially particularly in the Steve Bruce era, but to an extent at, at times in the Eddie Howe era as well, it was all just you know give it to Sam Maxim and get him to just run up as far as the pitch as you can, and he would do that, and he would do it really, really well. And then there'd literally be no one within thirty yards of him to pass to even if he wanted to. So it's. But I think I think that's had a negative impact on him because now it's not just on him, and it is a team build up, but he's still playing the old way. Yeah, and I think that's where his negative performances have come in because he's trying to do too much, which is resulting in him losing possession, not being able to, well, missing chances, not passing the ball across field, mm-hmm. and I think this is where the issues come on it, and that's why his performances have been poor. They've not been poor as his almost standard, but they've been poor as the team standard has changed and the, the way the team plays, and. It's always going to take a player, especially if they've been doing this for a long period of time and they've been praised constantly for doing this in that season. It's going to be difficult for a player to change the way that they are used to playing. And I think we've just got to wait for that to come through. Yeah, I think assuming he stays this summer and we don't sell him for big money somewhere, I think next season is is a big season for him. Because even if we don't want a huge spending spree this summer, you have to imagine we are going to improve the squad. There are going to be some better players around him, hopefully in forward areas. Well, everywhere, but <laughs> yeah. relevant to him in forward areas. Yeah, next season, I think... It, it's weird to say this, because like I said, for most of the last sort of two or three years, he has been by far our best player. He has been one of our only hopes going forward. But at the same time, yeah, because he hasn't been so great for the last few months, which is... Um, yeah, as everyone else has been sort of, yeah, we've seen like Joe Winton and, and all these other players really sort of step their game up and he has kind of almost been left behind a little bit. Yeah. I think, yeah, next season when hopefully, yeah, he's got some better players around him, hopefully the team are being a bit more ambitious and playing well. It's a big season for him to really show that he can really shine within, hopefully, yeah, a better team and still be that leading star, be that... Be that, you know, you can kind of be that main man, but at the same time, within the context of still getting those assists because you're creating for your teammates, you're not just trying to do it all yourself. Mm-hmm. You can still be the main man who's creating for others and that sort of thing as well. And yeah, hopefully again, obviously some more goals as well because that's something that, um, again, he could definitely improve on with that productivity in front of goal. Um, so yeah, I think that is going to be a big one for him next season. Um, but... Yeah, while, while I understand that some fans are getting a bit frustrated, and, and I certainly can understand why it can be, uh, don't get me wrong, as electric as he is when he gets on the ball, equally, he, he can be one of those players who can also be quite frustrating where he runs it into a corner, like you say, tries to do it all himself. Um, yeah, and there's been plenty of chances, sorry, plenty of moments where we've seen that in, in recent games. There's been an opportunity to, to, to lay off the ball or to yeah. pass it on into a better position, and he's just ignored it and gone for it. But, but yeah, give, give him a chance next season. Yeah. 
let's see what he can do then, as we say, within that hopefully more positive context, and then see where we go from there. I think. I, I certainly, for me personally, unless someone came in with you know crazy money, in which case no one's safe from that. You know, like eighty million that we had from Maguire, <laughs> who's not playing, and they're still trash at the back. <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe it, it wasn't Maguire, man. You know, at a at a certain point, yeah, you you know. You've got to say, well, yeah, he's not worth that much. You know, get less selling. But unless someone comes in with that level of money, like fifty, you know, plus million or whatever it is, kind of number that I'm sort of plucking out of thin air. Yeah, I definitely want to keep him, uh, keep him around for at least another season, give him a go. You know, and and see how he gets on. Um, unfortunately, we now have to get back to the the joy that is the trashing. Yeah, City uh, absolutely destroying us five nil. I mean, we did actually respond fairly well after we went 1-0 down. We had a 10 or 15-minute spell where we did actually play okay. Again, we did a- Chris Wood did actually get the ball in the net uh, very quickly and rightly ruled offside um, against Bruno. And then it all started going wrong again, just 38 minutes. Uh, in- this was the most annoying goal. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Man City don't need you to do them any favours to win comfortably and then you know Martin Dubravka goes and, and drops the ball at Ruben Diaz's feet and he just gets it to Laporte and uh, yeah it was a it was poor for an easy tap in it's mm. again I'm 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 not going to sit here and absolutely slam Dubravka he's he's a good goalkeeper I think he's again has generally when he's been fit been one of our better players in recent years but I mean that's just that's a shocker it happens but it's a shame because then, I mean, we were already massively, massively up against it at one nil. That basically sealed it at two nil, and then, and then it was just a case of right, how many are Man City going to get? Um, yeah, to get that third one around the hour mark, and then just that really late, that late collapse with the two late goals in the last few how, minutes. How, as well. was, how, was, how did you put those goals? Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I believe I said that. Uh, as I was making notes on the game for us to talk about on the podcast today, I believe I just said I can't even be fucked up. <laughs> I can't be fucked up about them. <laughs> so pardon my French there, listeners, but I'd had it at that point when the fourth and fifth ones went in. Positive. I mean, I can't even say Man City didn't deserve them. Oh no, they definitely did. But you still yeah. have a lot of Man City. But um, but anyway, sorry, I did. I interrupted you there. So you were... right. well, Wilson and Trippier came on the pitch. That was that was brilliant. It... Yeah. We didn't think we'd see Trippier again this whole season. Um, it was, you know, a bit iffy about whether you'd see Wilson. So the fact that they've come on, I know it was in the second half, but hopefully they can maybe put in a bit more of a shift in the next game. To yeah. Get them warmed up again, uh, back into Premiership football uh, before the before the break. So yeah, the positives. Yeah, that, that's the silver lining to take from the game. Great to see them both back on the pitch. I mean, yeah, Wilson, I think, hadn't played since December. And, I mean, you could tell he was a bit rusty. He did actually get that chance one-on-one with Edison, which normally you'd expect him to do a bit better with. Unfortunately, he did shoot straight out of the goalie. But, again, he's not played since December. He's not going to be very sharp. You can you can forgive him that. And it, it would have been a consolation goal at best anyway. Yeah, it wasn't going to make up for the other five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then Trippier, I think, I believe I saw that he made something like, he was only on the pitch for about 20-plus minutes. And he, I think he made four crosses in that time, which was more than everyone else managed in the entire game. Exactly. So, so again, a reminder that 
he's going to be so important with that delivery into the box and, and the impact that that can have on us going forward. Part of me does wonder how well Chris Wood might have done over the last few months if Trippier had been fit the whole time. Because it, the, the I mean, obviously, as we saw yesterday with that header straight at Edison, it's it's not exactly a guarantee with him. But he would have had a lot more of those chances with Trippier getting the ball into the box um, several times a game. Exactly, but anyone could be in the box. If there's, if there's a cross in, there's the potential for, for, for mishaps and, and spills and thrills and, you know, just any form of confusion or any opportunity in the box can be taken. It doesn't necessarily have to be by your striker. So just the fact that they're going in there is, is you know, a, a move forward, which I think Newcastle need at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And... Um... Yeah, but I think that's all we have to say about that uh, shit show of a match. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, with that one positive in a in a month, uh, in and amongst a, a sea of crap, <laughs> for want of a better word. <laughs> um, so, some just some other news um, over the week: Newcastle applying to make uh, significant improvements to their Benton training ground. Uh, the club actually feel that the, the training facilities there are, are actually worse than some championship clubs, which, again, we, we hate to <laughs> we hate to always be relating it back to this man here, but it is yet another example of, you know, the lack of investment in the club's infrastructure on, in the Mike Ashley year. And as we spoke, <laughs> as we spoke about, you know, um, when the takeover happened, yeah, just just letting the stadium, letting the training facilities, just sort of let it all get out of date. It is an indictment of the priorities that that Mike Ashley had, which were none. <laughs> exactly, um, and yeah, these these improvements they're, they're essentially actually just a, a sort of interim upgrade, while they actually build a completely new sort of training complex. Um, as we've seen, I guess recently, like uh, Leicester, you know, you, uh, you guys just opened. One relatively recently. Oh, is it called Seagrove Road? Anyway, it's, it, if anyone knows Leicester, it's, it's right near um, Ratcliffe uh, College or the, the private school at Ratcliffe, isn't it? It is massive. I'm pretty certain it's called Seagrove. It is. It is Seagrove. Yeah. Yeah, no, I do know that. Yeah, it is called Seagrove. It's actually sunk below the road as well, so you can't actually see it, but <laughs> you know it's there. So no um, sort of Marcelo Bielsa style oh, spying hijinks. You definitely there. could go and spy on there, but you've <laughs> You've genuinely got to find it. You have to know it's there to find it. You wouldn't be able to see it if you drive by on the main road. Um, but yeah, I, I think, the, I mean, obviously this, it, it doesn't seem like a super exciting news story. It's not anything that compared to like a transfer or anything. But I wanted to actually just very briefly touch on it because, um, again, I, I think it's actually a really good sign from the club. I mean, first of all, it's clear that obviously we just need to, yeah, we need to kind of modernise these facilities that, kind of haven't really had any TLC for mm. probably since, uh, you know, pre-2008, you know. Um, but at the same time as well, you look at Man City, who, <laughs> uh, you know, essentially the club for better and for worse that we are kind <laughs> of aspiring to become. You look at the training complex that they've got now around the Etihad yeah. and stuff. And I think stuff like that is... You, you know, you might not see the tangible benefits of it straight away, but long term, having those top class training facilities, that's going to sort of keep 
helping you out, keep helping your players develop in perpetuity. Even if you ignore the fact of of the long term effects that are clearly there, as you're saying, it's also there as an enticement and a promotion of the club itself. Yeah. What player who either is very already well regarded or is wanting to look to boost their career is going to go somewhere whose training facilities are piss poor when they could go to somewhere I mean let's say Leicester for example just because they, I know they've had a brand new one yeah. uh, and that's been pasted everywhere really people know what that looks like the, the difference is significant so if you had an opportunity to go to Leicester or Newcastle based on their training grounds alone if you're a development player where are you going to go based on that forget wages and everything else where do you think is going to offer you that best chance to improve and to develop yeah absolutely it's it's going to be another feather in the cap when it comes to yeah, yeah. attracting these top players. Yeah, it's a, it's a sales thing, if nothing else. 100%, yeah. yeah. So, like I say, well, on the face of it, it's just like, yeah, right, we're going to yeah, get slightly better training mm. ground. Actually, I think that's quite actually a meaningful story in, in a number of ways and a good sign for the club. Um, and speaking of good signs for the club, and well, you know, no possible players who might be having an impact at St James's Park next season, maybe. Mm-hmm. Newcastle youngster Elliot Anderson, 19-year-old midfielder. On, he's been on loan at Bristol Rovers since January. Yeah. And, I mean, what what a time he's had there, it, it must be said. Mm-hmm. And what a final day of the League 2 season he had with Bristol on Saturday. <laughs> Absolutely bonkers uh, story. You know, Bristol needed to win 7-0. Yeah. to equal uh, Northampton Town. They were level on point. Well, both teams won on the final day, so they were level on points. But Northampton had a much better goal, goal difference. difference. They needed to win 7-0, basically. Yeah, that would put them level on goal difference, but they would have a better goal scored, and that would get them up. Uh, Northampton, I think, were 3-0 up after about 20 minutes. So they were cruising. They thought, right, job done. Bristol were 2-0 up at half-time in their match. They scored five goals in the second half, with Anderson scoring the decisive seventh goal in the 85th minute, having earlier provided two assists in the match. <laughs> what a game for that young man. What absolute scenes for Bristol Rovers. I mean, though, carnage. <laughs> though I have to say, what was quite hilarious is, and you can sort of understand in the heat of the moment, but after his goal goes in on the 85th minute, bear in mind there's probably still seven or eight minutes left. There's a massive pitch invasion with all the fans. The referee actually had to threaten to cancel the game to get them all back into the stands. And then they had to play 25 minutes of added time. This is another reason why I don't understand why football has extra time. Every time there's a substitution, every time there's a goal, every time there is any form of pitch invasion or whatever, stop the clock. Stop the clock. And any time-wasting or injury, stop the clock. Because then there's not going to be time-wasting or injury because the clock has been stopped. You're not going to get Fergie time. You're not going to get Buddy Man City extra time. You're not going to get Chelsea time because it will have stopped and you've got 90 minutes. Because it may, it just becomes ludicrous at a certain point. 
Stop the bloody clock. I don't understand what the problem is with, with being able to... It's a stopwatch. We live in the 21st century. You go click, click. Or touch screen. You just touch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, without needing to get into the whole debate over that, I think, yeah, you've made a lot of good points. I don't see how it's a debate, guys. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, I, no, I, 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 agree, I agree with a lot of the points you said. I think in it... In a weird way, I think it's just too football to. It, it, football is isn't sensible enough. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. Football, it would be too sensible for football. It would be too smart. It would be too logical for football to do it. Football is just sort of this inherently just insane sport that we all love that they'll never actually do the smart thing, which is probably, as you say... Fucking stop it. ...to introduce the stop clock. Um, because they're... So I'm not, I'm, not even yeah. arguing, I'm not arguing against the stop but clock. I'm just saying it'll never happen. I just want to everybody else. That bloke who gets paid to hold up the fucking sign at the end for extra time, guess what? You won't need him. Everyone will see. There won't be a... Oh, how long is extra time going to be in the 90th minute? Because it will just be... The 90th minute's coming up and that's the end. Not like, oh, what arbitrary time have they put on for all these random things? And it is arbitrary. Now, you that, oh, it's 30 seconds for a goal. It's never fucking 30 seconds, guys. It depends how quick. Sometimes a team takes the ball and kicks it away. Yeah, they might get a yellow card, but it's not 30 seconds, is it, mate? Sometimes they sprint to the minute, to, to the corner. Sometimes they just fuck about. <laughs> it's never 30 seconds. Let's make it exact. No one with namby-pamby, oh, airy-fairy, maybe it'll be 30 seconds. No. Stop it. Again. It makes it tenser because that 90 minutes then is actually 90 minutes. Not, need to get this equaliser in the 89th <laughs> minute. Oh, wait, no, we've got five minutes extra. I, I see what you're saying. I don't know if it does necessarily make it more tense because there is that thing where when you're hanging on, and again, I'm not actually making an argument for or against um, either system here, but there is that thing which you sort of touched on there where you're hanging on and then and then the assistant puts up five minutes and you're like, oh God, and you just know how much longer you've got to hang on for and that whole injury time winner thing. I don't think it's any less dramatic. But, but I also think it will speed up the game because you always get people and teams that will throw themselves on the floor oh, to try and waste time. I am definitely up for anything that yeah. cuts out time-wasting. And, and it stops all of that because there's no point because as soon as you start time-wasting, you stop clock. You're not wasting any time. Yeah, no, I, I mean, that, that is one thing I would absolutely love to see. because um, You won't see... Obviously, won't every, see every single, every single team the in every the history of football... On his hair. <laughs> every single team in the history of football has time wasted at some point when it benefits them. Every single one. But that doesn't mean that when anyone does it to you, that it isn't absolutely infuriating. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't. I wouldn't have a problem with anything that could actually effectively stamp out um, that. But anyway, we didn't. I didn't necessarily want to actually get into this well, whole debate. Top luck, top luck, because this is now. This is happening. <laughs> anyway, Elliot Anderson, just to actually get back to him, the 19-year-old midfielder, a very, very promising player, very promising future. Don't get me wrong, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he's out on loan again next season, but you never know. He's, he, he, as I say, he joined Bristol in January on loan and he contributed eight goals and five assists for them from midfield. That's a phenomenal return. Obviously, in a league two, of course, there's a bit of a caveat there. It's not like, you know, he's therefore necessarily going to walk straight into the Premier League and do the same thing, but... 
yeah, really promising young player that hopefully we'll see in a in the Newcastle shirt in the not too distant future, whether it's next season or, or beyond. It is a shame that he seems to be the only Newcastle youth player who, who seems to be actually developing anywhere. Um, I know you have Longstaff, the Longstaff, sir, <laughs> but um, they have been in the first squad before, so in a way I don't really count them. But I'm hoping that in, in next year especially we're going to hear about more and more of these players who've been put out on loan at R and are putting in a good showing because I do feel Newcastle lack a lot of this um, homegrown talent. Well, I mean, hopefully that's another thing that, yeah, so like, like with the training ground, you know, if there's that investment in the academy, again, just that infrastructure of the club, again, a bit like Man City, we, I, you know, we've seen at least, not too many, but like Phil Foden and so on. Yeah, just have that pipeline of players coming through that, like you say, we've not really had too much of in recent years, apart from the Longstaff brothers who, you know, haven't quite kicked on the way we hoped. Yeah, I think it's important for Newcastle's identity as well as a football club. Yeah, you get teams like Man City, but let's be honest, they're not really like a homegrown team. They, they're, they're kind of new. They're a money team. That's what it feels like, I think, to a lot of bystanders. Mm. But... I think Newcastle should have its own talent in there. If it feel like it should be able to to have its roots quite firmly in that city because that's what the fans feel and and there always seems to be a very, very close relationship between the fans and Newcastle. Um even as as an outsider, uh that that's what you see quite often. Yeah. Well that's what it feels like. And it is a shame that there's not as many people represented in Newcastle Football Club itself. I just think it's an opportunity it's potentially missed because you know there's going to be loads of people from in and around that area who really, really want to um, play for Newcastle. And this is a nice one because Anderson is from Whitley Bay, which is, you know, slap bang in the centre, really. So it, it would be great to see that being increased in the team. I'm not saying all of them. I'm not, you know, I'm not... No, I know. I know, I know, I know, you know the, the, there aren't many teams, obviously, who who don't obviously cry out for you know a homegrown local talent. But Newcastle, especially, without wanting to really sort of toot our own horn and make it sound, oh yeah, no, it means more really special, you know, blah blah blah. But yeah, there is that thing with Newcastle of that local, literally the local hero, the the Alan Shearer, the Kevin Keegan, yeah, you know that the, the boy done good type. Uh, story that I think Newcastle in particular is, is one of those clubs that really celebrates that and as you say we've not aside from yeah a little flash of it here and there with the Longstaffs we've not had too much of it to celebrate recently so that is something that yeah I, I really hope to see and, and yeah hopefully maybe Anderson can, can be that figure for us in the future. And not only that but it offsets the idea of Newcastle being a money club as well. Like, yeah. It, it makes it seem almost fairer. So, you know, like Leicester has Harvey Barnes, Chowdhury, and, um, oh, forgot his name, Jewsbury Hall, and James Justin. Yeah, James Justin as well. So that's that's four academy players now playing in the first team. And Thomas. Yeah. Thomas has five. Um, and that's, that's a ridiculous proportion for a lot of clubs. And I think that's really great that they're getting the opportunity to play in the first team. But... Mm. Um, 
it offsets the idea that yeah, if we are an owned club, don't get me wrong, we're not in the same price bracket as as the big lot, including yourselves. Mm. Um, but it, it gives the fans a sense of ownership of the club. Yeah, and I feel that as a Leicester fan, I'm sure that'd be really, really um, invigorating and exciting for Newcastle fans to have that. Because imagine if someone born around the corner from where you grew up scores a goal for your football team. Yeah, and Newcastle will never let it go either. They will constantly brag about that all the time. So I just, I just think it's it's an extra feather that, you, that Newcastle really needs to take advantage of. Tilt the PR a little bit as well. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, in the meantime, while well, we wait for Elliot Anderson to uh, return as the all-conquering hero that, uh, that he is, <laughs> we've got Arsenal at home. That's not going to go well. Our, our final home game of the season, a week on Monday. It's rare, actually, for Newcastle to be at home on a Monday night. Thank you, Sky, finally, <laughs> for letting that one happen. You're so gracious and kind. Um <laughs> But yeah, our tricky sort of end to the season continues. Yeah, Arsenal, they've won their last four games in a row. Not not going to be an easy one at all. No, they've been really, really cracking on in this latter half of the season. I should point out very quickly, sorry to interrupt. You will uh, be. <laughs> we are recording this before they play Spurs in the North London derby on Tuesday. So they've won the, they've won the four games up to that. Oh, you know, you never gonna know. It's going to be 2-1, I already know. <laughs> So yeah, it, it could be five games in a row by the time we play them. So that's a lot of momentum. But yeah, they're potentially carrying in, like you were yeah. saying. And it's a young squad, so they make mistakes, especially at the back. That they have no real. They've only got two clean sheets since Feb. So there is always the opportunity to get back in them. But I mean, Keita's been on fire. I've always rated him as a player, and I'm so glad he's actually getting the opportunity to show there. Um, but A, Newcastle are historically poor against Arsenal. Even when Arsenal were trash, Newcastle were worse. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're on such a such a high at the moment. And I mean, they've got everything to play for. I mean, yeah, I think they are now. Yeah, particularly in the Champions League, aren't they? Uh, they're, they're fully going for it. Yeah, so they've got everything to play for still. Yeah. Let's be honest, Newcastle don't. You've done... You've, oh, done yeah. what you've done what you need to do you are playing for pride yes, I'm not absolutely. saying you're going to let go but they've got so much more bet hanging on this oh, 100% yeah that I, I, I really think Arsenal are going to win I would love to see Newcastle come out and play the only thing I want to see is the Newcastle from the winning Newcastle we saw mm. not long ago to come out and run at them and, and, and work as a team I don't think I can stand watching this Arsenal we've seen for the last two games being boring Again, and they've not necessarily been playing bad, just not been playing to the standard that we know they can. I just hope they come out and do something. Yeah, same. I, I just I just want to see a response. A bit like after the that Spurs defeat where we lost 5-1. And then we got that response, you know, we then won, you know, four on the bounce after that. Yeah. I just, yeah, I want to just see us show that response again, just play so much better. Because like I said, we weren't good against Liverpool. And then, yeah, we were... Pretty abject against Man City. Like I say, City, I felt, to me, like they barely had to get out of first gear to win that 5-0. Um, yeah, as you, as you said when we were talking about it before, as soon as that second one went in, that was it. Yeah. And then, obviously, the difficulty against Arsenal, as we've discussed before, 
is our genuinely cataclysmic record against them. Uh, it's now, since we last played them, uh, yeah, it's now 19 games against them. Oh, sorry, I should say, in our last 19 games against them, we've lost 18. That's I mean, don't horrifically bad. And that's, don't a, think about it. <laughs> that's against a team that, throughout a decent chunk of that run, hasn't even been very good themselves. <laughs> so, yeah, pretty. we're up against it, but we'll see how we get on. Hopefully, our final at-home game of the season, hopefully we can put on a bit of a, bit of a show for the fans um, at St. James's Park. I'm sure the fans will be out in force to, to cheer them on and to just, yeah, if, I mean, if nothing else, obviously, just to celebrate the fact that, you know, that turnaround that we've had this season and that we're going to stay up comfortably in the end. But, yeah, hopefully we can uh, improve a little bit on, on this showing. But we'll see how they get on. In the meantime, if you could please give the podcast a like and subscribe and leave us a positive review, that would be absolutely fantastic. And we've been Magpies Unrestricted. I've been your host, Chris Simpson. Thanks, Cara. No problemo. And thank you, listeners. Bye. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts.